Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we of course have a somewhat ugly game to recap in the Wisconsin-Penn State matchup from this past Saturday, Um, but I think despite the game being uh, relatively ugly and not the outcome that all of us wanted, I think there's a lot to discuss of the ins and outs of that game, the happenings, the situations from players to what happened on the field, all sorts of stuff to get into as you break down this matchup a little bit further because there was a lot to take from that season opener despite the loss. So we'll get into all of that. Uh, hopefully it'll be a little bit of a cathartic release for you guys. Uh, I know last year in some of those struggle games, this podcast was always good to help us get some stuff off our chest after uh couple days of sitting on it so it should be a fun episode to get into and hopefully allow us to get it out there and then move on to eastern michigan matt how are you this morning i'm doing great yeah no i'm, I'm excited for this podcast i think there's a lot of um storylines to follow from this game and you know, both positive and negative um i just i think it's people just need to remember it's the first game um and that they were going up against another team that was ranked and um it wasn't pretty um and you know, they should have won it, but at the same time, it is what it is, and that's why you play 12 of them. Yep, exactly. That's that's the way college football goes, and it's always unfortunate to lose that, that early one, but you've got opportunities now down the road to uh, bounce back. And, you know, nothing's quite done yet, but we'll, we'll get into all that. We'll get into kind of the season outlook after this at the end of the show as well, um, because I think that's an interesting conversation um, to see where everybody's at after a, a tough 16-10 to 10 loss. So why don't we hop right into it? We'll start, uh, I think, on the offensive side is where things we'll, – we'll talk about the running game, the offensive line, and then we'll probably have a Graham Mertz discussion in its, in its own little segment here, and then we'll kind of get into some other takeaways. So I think to start, and maybe the, the one layer of positivity was, was Chaz Malusi. He had a, a fairly strong game, a lot of carries. For Chess Malusi, I did not think if you would have put an over-under on the number of carries that he would have got, I would not have put it where he was at. Um, but um, certainly a surprise there. But I think the other big surprise was, of course, Jalen Berger, who did not get any carries, did not see the field at all, was suited up. But um, I know you sat you're, – you're on that other sideline where you said, I know some other people were saying that they could kind of see him and didn't look super active or or kind of a little bit despondent on the sidelines. So an interesting situation there for sure that we haven't really got much info on. But it was really the two-headed monster of, of Malusi and Grendo getting all the runs. So um, what do you make of that whole situation? Because I think to start the game, that was the big surprise. We knew Malusi was going to be in there and play a lot, but we expected that one-two combo with Berger, and, and it was just not there at all on Saturday. Yeah, we thought the the Chesburger was going to be mm-hmm. in full effect, and um, yeah, I, I think the big thing I'll start with the positive here. I, I thought that Ches and Garendo, I thought they ran pretty well. Um, you didn't see like anything overly impressive where they broke off like a sixty yard run or anything like that. But if people were expecting that in in game one, you know, I, I think that's misguided. 
but I, I thought that Malusi looked elusive in the open field. He had a couple nice runs. He was quick in and out of the hole. Um, the line made things tough for him at times. He had 11 yards of loss, um, and, and those were each just – he was just getting pounded the second he touched the ball, um, which that's not on him. Um, but but really, you look at that stat line, pretty solid. I, I think um, I thought he was going to be near 100 or at least somebody was going to get there. Uh, but I, I thought just the ability for him to show that yep, I can carry the ball 30 times, I can beat your – your, your your main back, and, and I can look good doing it, I think was, was definitely impressive. Um, Garendo, same thing. I, I thought he looked a lot more physical than he did in, in 2019. I mean, granted, that was like he had about the exact same amount of carries as he did on Saturday. So, uh, But I think you're still waiting to see him in the open field when he can get a chance to break one off. Um, you know, I'm still waiting for um, that group to show some explosive ability to, to take that one arm tackle and, and break it and go. Because you looked at Malusi, that fourth and one that he got, and, man, he was an arm tackle away from six, and, you know, that, that wins you the game. Um, and those are the little things that I think they need to improve upon, and, and I think they will. But then um, I guess what are your takeaway on those two before we get into Berger? Because I think that's a, that's a whole bigger conversation. Yeah, no, I think both. Of, I think they were a nice combo to each other. I, I, I mean, we definitely weren't expecting it. I, I think we all came into the game thinking it was going to be the other two, and Garendo get some run as well. But I think, I think Garendo as coming in as kind of that weird combination of power and speed because he's definitely the the bigger of the two from what it seems like, and but also the faster of the two. So he's a weird combo in terms of a a back. But I think he gave you some nice burst, and and like you mentioned, they didn't bust off some runs, but. There were a couple times where the, there were some big holes, and credit to Penn State's front. I mean, we, we came into this game thinking, you know, that was the young, inexperienced group for them. They they played pretty well, um, just given the circumstances, um, with, with a lot of new faces and transfers. So, um, But I, I think those two had a couple opportunities where you know, maybe against another team, you'll bust some runs like that, um, and, and hopefully... You know, Isaac Rendo especially, there was a t- couple times where he got the ball, he was in the hole, and, and he had four yards before he could really blink. So I think those two looked really solid together. I think the combo was good. Um, numbers-wise, you know, I, I don't know if you necessarily want to be, um, you know, running Chesmalusi 31 times, but in a game like that where there was just not a lot in the passing game, sometimes you have to. So maybe the the, the carries and the numbers were a little high, but that was kind of the approach that, that needed to happen. Um, for these two to, to, to give some success and set the, the offense up in a good way. So I like the combo. I think it was a little bit of a surprise, but everything we saw from the, off- the, from the offense, I think that was really the layer of positivity from this game was those two I thought looked pretty solid. Yeah, and there's some other guys who I think jumped out on the offense, but really those two had their moments and I, I think showed that, hey, the Badgers are going to be fine at running back, whether they have Jalen Berger or not. But – uh, you, you mentioned just the, the way that Berger's body language looked on the sideline. And, and I don't know, it could be, um, I know he's got that the rear leg condition that sometimes makes it so um, that your legs are fatigued or, you know, it kind of feels like growing pain. Um, and, and maybe he, he was having that today and that's why, or that on Saturday, and that's why he was just pissed and, you know, wanted to be out there, but, but the team kind of, didn't let him go out there because of that or, or some other reason. Um, or or maybe, like um, Paul Chris said in the postgame, that it was just a matter of Malusi and Grendo 
you know, giving them the best chance today. Um, so I don't know. I, I think that the body language was definitely apparent, and he was very distant from the rest of his teammates. And so I hope it's nothing um, that's going to continue to shake up this running back room because, man, they came in with like 400 bodies and, and you know, who knows where they're going to be at in a couple weeks if if um, Berger's unhappy. But I would I would hope that they get him involved against Eastern Michigan. Um, I, I think there's going to be plenty of opportunities for this team against a, a much smaller front that the um, – Eastern Michigan has so hopefully they get that all sorted out but but overall I came away impressed with what Malusi and Garendo did so I'm not overly worried about it as much as I'm just was shocked that he didn't get any carries yeah yeah I think that's the way to look at it I mean it's certainly a, a positive layer that the other two looked pretty solid and you you didn't have to sit there and, and really worry about okay if Berger if something's going on with Berger all of a sudden, Wisconsin's doomed because they don't have a, a running game or, or the other guys behind him aren't there. I think Ches Malusi was really solid in Garendo. Um, I mean, we've always thought he had the potential to be a, a strong ball carrier for Wisconsin. It's just a matter of staying healthy, and he certainly showed that in that in, the, in a limited amount of carries, you know, 13 touches for 56 yards, um, a solid number two back for them there. And I think going forward, if you get – you know, Jalen Berger back to what he was last year and, and can get him involved, that's great because all of a sudden I think you've got three really strong running backs uh, that you can le- hopefully lean on and uh, will hopefully allow you to open up some other stuff and, and clean some things up in the passing game, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But why don't we go ahead and I think the next piece of offensive stuff that um, was interesting was the offensive line shuffle. I mean, you came in with the starters and those guys – we're not in there long. It was all of a sudden you're rotating guys in and out. Um, it was it was a matter of you know just moving guys all around, which and early it wasn't you know it wasn't after the first quarter. It was right from the jump. Uh, Joe Rudolph noticed something and, and started to make some changes. So what do you make of of that situation? I think it was. I mean, you have depth there. It, it's not like uh, a situation where. Um, you, you're just going to you know another group because you want to. I think you just are, you had a feel for it. But what did you make of shuffling all those guys in and out? And, and at the end, who do you think looked like the strong five that, that will go into this week two matchup? Because I think that's the fascinating part. Is now you've gotten a lot of run from different guys. Who do you see? Um, or is it maybe a combo again against Eastern Michigan gets you set? And, you know, you buys you another couple weeks till uh, Notre Dame. I would assume that they're going to rotate again uh, against Eastern Michigan. I think the talent level there is to a point where you can get away with doing that, um, especially when you've got a bye week the the following week to really work on having that group, whoever, whatever five you run with, to to kind of gel together. I know that Joe Rudolph has shown an ability to um, rotate guys in in the past. We've seen that at different positions with different players at um, at different seasons. But at the same time here, I just really think that this group you know, kind of let the team down in a lot of ways. They struggled. Um, mm-hmm. And and you mentioned Penn State. They had a lot of um, new bodies up front in that defensive line. And, and their linebackers are really good. Like, we, But we knew that. But at the same time, um, I, I really just thought that Tyler Beach looked extremely rusty, um, which, I, to be fair, makes sense when you miss, you know, three-fourths of fall camp, come back and are expected to, to start in – and really, Logan Brown just got back healthy, so it wasn't going to be something to where he wasn't necessarily rusty either. Um, but but really, you saw Seltzner, Tipman, and Nelson be pulled almost immediately and then throw in Sampson, Lyles, and Furtney. And um, 
and and those three did a good job. They got all the way down to the end, and then Lyles had the false start, and um, and who knows what led to how that false start went down. Um, at least from my vantage point in the stadium and on the replay that they showed one time, it's, it's hard to know um, if that was on Lyles, if it's on um, quarterback, whatever, but really you look at that, that just can't happen. And there was just mistakes um, far too often. Beach got beat bad uh, off the edge there by uh, Arnold Ebikidi. There we go. Got it. Um, <laughs> Guess is as good as mine. <laughs> the Temple grad transfer. Yeah. Um, and and really just there was there was pressure up the middle and on the outsides all day long. Um, I thought that Brust was probably your most consistent guy, um, but really just the left side of the line struggled routinely throughout the day, and that's something they got to clean up um, for a group that we expected to be so strong. Um, and um, to have the opportunity. I mean, this is a talented group. There's there's no denying that. Like, you've got a bunch of guys who have, have either played a ton of football and Beach, Seltzner, and Bruss, um, and, and then you have two four-star kids who've come in and, and taken over jobs from established people. So I think, I think this is a group that will get better. They need time to come together, to gel, um, and, and really just to kind of find an identity uh, together because – Pass pro was rough, um, and at times they weren't getting the push that you needed the ru- for their running backs. So they know that. Like, this this entire group knows that. They'll be the first people to throw on the film and be like, hey, that wasn't good enough. That wasn't good enough, right? Like, um, it, as hard as fans are on different players, generally kids at this point are to this level of play because they're harder on themselves. So um, they'll get it cleaned up. I think it's going to be nice to have that tune-up game against Eastern Michigan to work on technique and really just communication, but um, they, they need to be better, and, and they know that, and that's on the offensive line, that's on Joe Rudolph, and they're going to clean it up, hopefully. Yeah, I, I think, like you said, they'll be the first to admit it. Um, there there was certainly, you could tell that there were guys that, I, I don't know if it was unpreparedness or just, you know, the they just didn't execute the way they wanted to. Maybe it's a combo of both, but they, they certainly need to elevate their game, and all of a sudden, you know, we talked about it, um, you know, in the off season with this bye week early, maybe all of a sudden this looks like a blessing in disguise as you can kind of hopefully get things right with Eastern Michigan here this upcoming week, um, get that bye week to really clean it up and, and then see where you're at against Notre Dame. Because I think all of a sudden, you know, in terms of season outlook, um, that game becomes even more significant when just uh, you know, the long-term implications of it that way. But I think you're set up all right now to hopefully get some things clicking these next couple weeks um, on that offensive line because it's, it's not a matter of talent. All these guys are, are you know good kids, really strong kids. We expected them to be better. It wasn't quite there this week, but I wouldn't sit here and say, you know, all of a sudden this offensive line stinks and they're not going to be good or anything like that. I think they'll hopefully come out and, and get things right and um, turn things around because like they'll be the first to admit that it wasn't quite where they needed to be to, to be winning games and um, – it, it it had a, it got them enough to hang in that game, and they probably at the end of the day should have won that game. And maybe all of a sudden, if you squeak that one out against Penn State, maybe it's not as big of a conversation. But when you don't end up winning that game, I think some of these issues get much more spotlighted. And of course, um, you know that's that's kind of where we're at. I think right now. Hundred percent. All right. Well, why don't we go ahead and get into this part of the conversation because I know that's what people will be wanting to talk about is the, the Graham Mertz game. Um, not a great game from Graham Mertz in any way, shape, or form. Um, I think there's 
mental mistakes, of course, the handoffs, the fumbles, interceptions. I know Graham Burge has played a lot of football. At times, at least for me, with a young quarterback, you just have to live with some interceptions. So, But the other mental mistakes were, were certainly there. I also thought, I don't know if you noticed this as well, but I thought Graham Mertz, in terms of the big takeaway for me, was his footwork was all over the place. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be a quarterback guru or anything like that, but he he was throwing off the back foot, throwing just no stepping into throws at all, all you know, trying to touch past things. It just that part to me really stood out. You know, you're looking at the replays. That was one thing I really noticed was that he was just off and and really just didn't look uber confident in this game. I think there's a lot of different ways you can take it with Graham Mertz and, and this whole situation and saga. And I know people, of course, myself included, have talked him up, and I think that capability's in there. But he just did look like a, a shell of himself compared to where he was at that Illinois game. I think we're really far removed from there. But what were your overall takeaways from his performance? Because, again, I'm sure Graham Mertz knows that he needs to be better, that he didn't play well, and he'll be the first to admit that, as he kind of did in the post game there. But um, overall, just a tough situation and a, a tough game for him in week one. Yeah, I mean, he knows, and, and we can all look and saw what happened, that if he gets two handoffs off, they probably win that game, right? Like, the, mm-hmm. like, And I would say that they do win that game if they get two handoffs off. And, and I agree with you. The footwork was was um, was not great. Um, and, and really, I looked at that as it has to do with confidence and overthinking. And yep. that, like – I know part of that is probably maybe the pressure that he was seeing from the line um, and struggling with that, where you sometimes, you know, float to your back foot when that's going on. But really, there was no zip on the ball. He was trying to guide it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I played high school quarterback, was mediocre, you know, or to, to bad at some point, um, I'm sure. Um, and I know that I had games like that where um, – but but it, it looked like somebody who had, you know, the, the yips to a certain extent where – it was just like completely overthinking mental gymnastics here because um, he just needs to throw the ball. Uh, he just needs to go back to the basics of hand the ball off. The the play where he's he's handing it off to Malusi, his head is up at the defensive line instead of just making sure to get that ball to to his back. And that's something to where the ball is the most important thing, and that's something that he had even talked about in the offseason or going into the bowl game prep was, you know, I just got to take care of the ball. That's the most important thing, and and that didn't show up. It's you're looking you're looking up, trying to be cute to try to keep the defensive line um, held. But at that point, you're inside the the ten yard line. Just make sure the handoff gets gets taken care of, and they've they've repped that to death in in camp. So it was the little things, the things that were so simple, and that he's used to doing and could do. Um, and, and who knows, he could probably go out there today and do that exact same thing, and, it, and there would be no no issues, right? Like, or even the day before. Um, but I think he can turn around. He's got, he's got talent, man. Like there's a, there's a reason the intangibles are there, but he has got to stop trying to be perfect. And I know that probably comes with the territory of being an all world four star kid that everybody's built up to be, you know, the Messiah. But at the same time here, he's, he's got to deliver on some of those because that game was just bad. Like, it was just not good. Um, and he knows it. He talked about it in the post game. Um, but really just he, he had opportunities. And really those interceptions, they came after missed opportunities. They came after um, chances that they had. And um, he, he's just got to get back to the basics of let it rip, drop back, 
throw the football, man. Don't don't try to finesse it in there. I mean, that Jake Ferguson pop pass, he didn't mm-hmm. need to throw it the way he did. He could have just tossed it right at his numbers and been just fine. Um, and instead, Ferguson had to make a remarkable one-handed catch. Like, he was trying to float everything, trying to be perfect, put it in the exact right spot, um, instead of just standing back there and delivering the goods. Yeah, and I think I think one forgotten layer of that is, you know, he's – I think with Graham Mertz, he's, he's still a young quarterback. I don't know if it's just he's been he in the program. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, um, I know last year was a weird year. You also think about it, in those eight starts – this is really one of the first – this is the first time he's played in front of, you know, a full Camp Randall Stadium where he's the guy. I mean, of course, he got some garbage time earlier in his career um, and things like that, but this is a whole other ball game, and that's not an excuse. He's played enough football at high levels, played in the Gatorade All-American, all that stuff to, to play in big games, but this is a new world um, in that regard as well. And I don't want to sound like an apologist or an excuse maker because it was a bad performance and in – he he needs to be a lot better, but I think sometimes we forget how young he truly is in terms of, you know, just writing off his career and, and saying it's a bust and it, it's over and everything like that. So it, it definitely needs to be better, and the situation um, wasn't great for him. I also think, um, you know, the you know the, just the execution of, of little things just wasn't there, and, and part of that is maybe it's just prep, you know, they just – Everything looked out of sync, and, and Graham Mertz was a huge part of that. And, and it's a game that they, they really should have won, but um, that's that's just something you have to live with with a young quarterback and, and playing that way. So we'll see how it comes out um, in these next couple games. I'd love for them to come out against Eastern Michigan, not to get ahead of ourselves, but and just let him sling it around and get some confidence going. Because I think as much as people gripe on where Graham Mertz is and the way he played, He's going to be the guy. You know, I don't see them making a switch to Chase Wolf or anything like that. So if you want to win games and, and progress to where you want to be, confidence needs to be back uh, in that kid. My game, confidence was smiling, and we, it just doesn't look like that right now. So I'd love for, for them to hopefully get that back. That's going to be the train that takes you, um, you know, as far as this team wants to go. But. Um, anything else, anything offensive, Mertz, Line, Malusi, anything else you took away from uh, the offensive side of the ball? Yeah, there's a couple things. Um, I, I just think the big thing is that he just needs to get back to having fun and playing the game. So I, mm-hmm. I hope the best for Mertz to, to be able to do that because he does have the talent, right? right? Like you, you don't just do all the things that he did in his prep career as well as um, in that Illinois game and what we saw even against like Central Michigan. He looked the part, right? Like, mm-hmm. like in all the way back before he was the guy, he he looked the part in that game, and um, but but I think just like everything's become overcomplicated to him right now. He's trying to to press, and it's just got to go back to throwing the ball, and and that I think he can get back to that. I think he can get back to just saying, "Yep, I got it." My job is to to get back and hand the ball off, right? Like simple things they've got to do, um, but those errors, the Trying to do too much on intentional grounding penalties, things like that. They just they got to get cleaned up, and and hopefully they will because I think, like you mentioned, this team will go as far as Mertz goes. Um, I, I do think that one interesting aspect uh, of the quarterback play is it, it would be nice right now if Wisconsin had brought in a quarterback for that 2020 group, um, just because then you've got another body in there to push um, instead of because right now it, it's essentially. Um, 
nothing against Danny Vandenboom, but it's, it's essentially you've got Graham Mertz of Chase Wolf. So it, it could have been something where if you felt really confident, you just take give him a, a snap to the side so you can tell him, hey, bring it down. Stop trying so hard. Let's let's just play your game. Um, and then you put in Wolf but um, or whoever that would be in maybe that 2020 class. Um, and and I, I think that's a, an interesting aspect to this. But really a guy I was impressed with that I thought played really well was Danny Davis. Um, and I think his performance gets overshadowed because of um, the run game and what they had done because Malusi in his um, first game as well as kind of the struggles that Graham Mertz had. But I thought that Davis looked really good and, and gave them something that they desperately needed. Um, I mean, he made some really nice catches. That that catch at the goal line mm-hmm. was a thing of beauty. He was he was getting tackled um, and and held on. Um, gave them their um, longest play of the day, which unfortunately was only 23 yards. So I think that Davis back was gave this team a huge lift. They got to do a better job of getting the ball to his hands, especially Kendrick Pryor. Man, he needs more touches than than three, in, in my opinion. Um, he's a guy he even said, like, did after that jet sweep, he did the, the feed me motion, and I thought that they should have went back to that a little bit more. I know they gave DK a chance there, and he got 10. Um, that's that, that plays money, and they got to get back to using that a little bit more to, to get the defense swinging side to side, especially if you're struggling with the, the forward passing game. But but I thought Davis looked really good, um, and, and it was exciting to see him back um, because he's another guy that – has gone through a bunch here the past two years. And so it was good to see him back out there and, and, and balling out. And, and hopefully they can take advantage of that moving forward because um, the, they need to be better. Mertz, if, what would have happened? How would the storyline have been different if Mertz would have hit DK on that scene route that was wide open? They did four verts. It was the same route combination that they had beat Iowa with that Hornybrook delivered on and that we've seen um, the Badgers – hit on so many times and he was open he was Mm. he was there it was just overshot but just imagine how this you know everybody's um tune changes if he hits that you know they come back and win he's only got he's got one touchdown one interception um about 200 yards and and um a gritty performance maybe to to bounce back after um a tough tough time handing the ball off and whatnot so I think that's that's the thing is um, there was opportunities that this offense needs, and, and they all talked about it, that they need to be better in the red zone. Um, and it's it's those big game woes when they get in the red zone that have that have killed them. Yeah, it, absolutely. It, is, it really has. And you think back to last year, there were situations like that as well. So um, hopefully, you know, this, this team can get that stuff cleaned up on the offensive side of the ball and um, come out against Eastern Michigan, hopefully, and have some confidence uh, as you build towards that bye week and the Notre Dame contest. All right, why don't we go ahead, we'll get our ad reads out of the way, and then we'll go into some defensive football discussion. All right, we've got the offense out of the way. Of course, a, a tough performance for them, but defensively, I think we once again saw this this unit has a chance to be really good. I, I think we saw a lot of good things from them, especially early, and then we saw some things that will also need to be cleaned up um, later on in the game. So we'll, we'll, go, we'll start there. I mean, First half, really solid. Penn State could not do a thing offensively. The run game was non-existent for them. The the pass game, they in the first half struggled. Um, they were just missing things, and uh, I, I credit that to Wisconsin's defense being very fundamentally sound, 
and, and playing pretty well. I thought the pressure was a little bit there in the first half. Probably still want to get those numbers a little bit better, but overall I think it's a good start for them. So first half was good. We'll talk about the second half here in a little bit because it was a little bit <laughs> – I think it was a lot different, you know, once you turn the page to that. But what did you make of this defense early? What were some impressions that you had from this group? I was really impressed by the front seven, and that was the group that I – I kind of said that I think was going to be really, really strong based off of what we saw in fall camp. I mean, they they were getting a good push. They they were not allowing much running room for whatever running back was out there, whether it be Noah Noah Kane, Devin Ford, or um, Kevon Lee. All of them struggled to really get much on the ground outside of that 34-yard gain by Noah Kane that came late in the game. They they really couldn't move the ball much um, on the ground. So kudos to front seven to, to taking care of business up there. Um, I, I loved Nick Herbig's explosion off the edge there on that sack. I thought that was just a thing of beauty. He also had another QB hurry. Sanborn was all over. So I, I think really you look at this and that, that group was phenomenally strong. I liked seeing Matt Hangston getting in there on a, on a tackle for loss. Keanu Benton, even when he couldn't get there because he was getting double teamed, he put a paw up and, and broke a pass up. So I think the front seven made nice jump from last year. They, they looked really good because, make no mistake, this is still one of the better running back groups in the Big Ten. Like, this this isn't just something mm. to where they took took out and, and stopped, uh, you know, a, a walk-in-the-park running game. This is this is a really good running game that I think will be a lot better. I think Penn State, you'll see their offense is going to look a lot better after this Badger game um, moving forward outside of maybe against Ohio State, but they showed cracks as well against the run. So, I think I think overall this you got to be really happy about this group. It was it's a bummer to not see Leo Chanel out there. I thought Mascalunas um, did a good job, um, but but it's I do think that Chanel just gives you a little something extra there that I think they could have used, um, especially at getting towards the quarterback, right? Like I just think that he just has a little extra juice there that could have helped them out. But first half, I, I think really front seven did really good secondary did a great job especially the cornerbacks in the first half as well yeah I think they came out and and really put together a a solid effort I mean there was just you you knew I mean watching you you knew that Wisconsin's defense was going to get a three and out you know pretty much every time on that uh, in that first half and you felt really comfortable with where they were at um getting good push of course we haven't talked about it but Leo Chanel tested positive for COVID not being in there it it would have helped to have him, but I think Mike Mascalunas played well in the in the role that he stepped into. So overall, I think that shows the depth and the strength of this team. So that front seven will will certainly be, I think, a solid group going forward. And while the secondary in the second half did have um, some moments where they really struggled, I think they'll hopefully get that cleaned up and be better moving forward um, as well. But really, coming into the game and, and that first half, it's, it's hard to really take a ton from it because – you just they executed really well, and that's that's really all that it comes down to. And I think the second half is maybe more of the conversation that way. Um, of course, they came out, and part of that goes credit to Penn State in the second half. I will say, I think Penn State came out and, and knew they couldn't run the ball consistently um, uh, against Wisconsin's front. They decided, you know, let's let's throw it at the perimeter, let's throw some quick throws out. And then let's take some shots. So Mike Yurkich, of course, the offensive coordinator we talked about, loves those explosive plays. I think he did a really good job of attacking this Wisconsin defense um, in that second half, getting those safeties to creep up and then and then taking the top off. But 
a lot of mistakes in that second half for the secondary, especially. I mean, just missed coverage, poor communication. And um, when you talk about the offense, there's a lot of these younger guys. There's some guys that maybe haven't played a lot of football, haven't played a lot of football together. But this secondary has played a ton of football. So excuses can't fly as much, I, I think, with this group on some of those plays when they were getting burnt. But what did you take from the second half? Because I think it was a completely flip um, from where they were at in that first half. Yeah, I mean, there was definitely miscommunication at the back end between your safeties and cornerbacks about who was dropping. Um, and, and that led to multiple big big chunk plays. You've got Jahan Dotson, who's one of the best wide receivers in the Big Ten, and there's no reason that he should be running free through anybody's secondary if you're the Badgers when, when you know that he's the guy that, you know, he, he's on the bulletin board for sure. Um, and and so that was a bummer to see. Keandre Lambert, um, um, Smith, I thought he had a nice play there as well. But once again, miscommunication on his 52-yard gain. So that's stuff that you can clean up. That Those are things that I, I think you're, you're, you've got guys looking in the backfield a little too much. Um, you've got guys kind of not being able to pass the receiver off to the next zone and those things that they're going to get cleaned up. Overall, though, it's hard to gripe against this group when they gave up 16 points and mm-hmm. did enough for them to win the game. Like, like it's just like, yes, there was miscommunication. Yes, there was there, they could have done a little bit better at the back end there. Um, Colin Wilder missed a, a key tackle um, uh, against Noah Kane that really sprung. Penn State to be able to finish off that scoring or that final touchdown drive that they put together but but overall man this defense they look the part they're going to be really good um, against what I think is going to be a solid Penn State offense overall I mean Sean Clifford wasn't great but at the same time I do think that that running game is going to get going and they have they do have just really good weapons outside that you've got to account for so I, I'm not going to overthink this. I think that the, the secondary busts were bad, but at the same time, in general, you give up 16 points to a ranked opponent, you should win every time. Yep. You should win every Most time. Definitely. Yeah. And if yeah. they hand the ball off two times, they win the game, and it nobody's – I mean, we're talking about the those broken coverages, but it's not nearly magnified to what it is. Um, I thought this group played phenomenally well, and, and they are not the reason that the Badgers lost in my eyes. No, and I think it comes back to the same conversation we had a ton of times last year. All of a sudden, you were expecting, you were needing this defense to, A, play a perfect game, which is unfair to ask for, for any team in college football, any unit in college football. It's 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 football. It's, you can't be perfect on every play. Those coverage busts, I know those guys will be the first to admit that they were, that, that, that can't happen, but at the same time, you know, this, this unit, played really well and you you have to as a whole those guys in defense you still feel good about it and I do expect Jim Leonard you have to by now have the trust that he'll get some of that cleaned up and um and will they make mistakes going forward yes they're not gonna play a perfect game but you I think those situations just get magnified when you look at offensively you need the defense to to play a perfect game to win you the game and that's not fair to put on the defense side of the ball I mean, at one point I was sitting there, I was talking to my family, I goes, you know, what we need is a defensive, you know, a sack fumble, something to put them in, in positive or a scoop and score, pick six, something. Because similar to a lot of teams across the country, I mean, Georgia didn't put up any offensive points. Their one touchdown was the defensive touchdown. That seemed like last year and this year what Wisconsin, at least right now, is going to need, which is unfair. You can't expect to have that uh, type of output from the defense 
um, you know, every week out. They did enough to win you that football game. And, and like you mentioned, those big plays are magnified because they lost, but they they were in a situation where that shouldn't be the focal point of a conversation after the output and the performance that they had. Yeah, and every time I agree with you, I, I turned to my wife and I was like, they, they need a turnover here. Like, they need to get this offense in an extremely plus territory. Um, although the middle of the field wasn't the issue for Wisconsin all game long. They were able to move it um, routinely on Penn State outside of a couple three and outs or short drives. Um, and most of those were killed by a penalty or um, such as a grounding or whatever. But, but man, this, the defense looked good. You would have loved to have gotten a turnover to really swing, swing the game. But this, this team, this defense did enough to win this game, and it's the mental stuff. It's the simple things that they've done so many times that just came back and bite them. It was, I mean, I think back to that Oregon game, right, like the Rose Bowl, and it was the same thing. And instead of your, your punter dropping a ball, it was your quarterback. And it was just revolver meet foot um, when you get into the crucial big moments. And they've got to do better. And the defense, though, did their part. They gave them chances. Um, and, and really the, the offense will help them out. Special teams-wise, um, Wisconsin was unspectacular. Um, that blocked field goal uh, was, was big. Um, and then I thought Andy Vujinovic punted really well, but holy hell, Penn State's, Penn State's punter was, mm-hmm. was on fire. He, mm-hmm. he was punting really well and put the Badgers back um, quite a few times. Um, I think he had a 70-plus yarder at one point. Um, so man, that was, that was something as well that I think we didn't see a lot from the special teams. Um, I mean, Dean Ingram back there with the fair catches were, was a fiasco, but <laughs> overall, I think that the group did plenty uh, of good, um, and had a chance to win the game and, and really the offense just needs to be better. And that's what it's going to come down to, um, um, this year. Yeah, I think that's the the same song and dance that we were talking about, um, you know, oftentimes. I mean, this isn't the first time that Wisconsin defense has been really good and the offense has struggled. That's kind of a, a running point for Wisconsin football a lot of times is that you just need you need a little bit more because the defense is going to keep you in the game and put you in situations to win. And sure, they'll make some mistakes, but that can't be as magnified as they are because um, because of the offense not picking up their end of the bargain. All right, so overall, I mean, we've talked both sides of the ball. What are some other – any final thoughts? What are some positives that we can take from um, from this from this weekend? I thought the Wisconsin's – not only the front seven, but really I thought that the defensive line um, did a really good job against um, Penn State. Penn State's got two tackles on the outside that are going to be NFL guys. Like they're, they're both getting looks, and they will be getting looks. And so it was it was impressive to see Herbig get around the edge like that. It was nice to see Sanborn get get involved with the sack. I mean, <clears throat> Sanborn was tough all day long, mm-hmm. um, and, and really gave them a chance here. Um, but but really, just I think you like to see Masculinus come in and step in for Rio Chanel and, and hold his own, help you out in, when you needed it. Um, but really, there wasn't a lot of like big wow moments for the defense. They were just consistent and made plays. Um, it was funny because they were swarming in the backfield, and it was one of those where Penn State would break a tackle, and then it was five more guys were coming. Um, so I, that was good to see the defense flowing as hard as they were. Um, just gotta, just gotta make sure that you're keeping keeping sound at the back end and, and not letting those big plays over the top. 
Yeah, yeah. I think Nick Herbig was the the big positive. I think you take. He looked like he got in a lot better. I mean, he was really good last year, but it looks like he's gonna be uh, a force to be reckoned with. Got a lot better. The secondary again. These guys have played a lot of football. Jim Leonard's a guy that you have to trust. Well, they'll get them and, and they'll clean that stuff up. So overall, this defense will be sound offensively. It's just, of course, you, you got to wake up and you've got to get some things. Um, really buttoned up, and we'll we'll see. And, and now you've got, of course, that tune-up to try and do. So I think across, it's not just Wisconsin. Across the country, offensive outputs in, in college football this past weekend were, were, were abysmal in a lot of different games. I mean, you saw a lot of top 25 teams struggling to move the football and score points. So it's not something where it was only the Badgers. It's just kind of a, it was a running theme for the, the opening weekend of college football across the country. So before we wrap up, um, Season outlook, what does, does your change, is it too early? What is your kind of season outlook for this team as they move forward here? I honestly don't think anything has changed about their top level. Like, this team can get to Big Ten Championship, can still win the West. None of that has changed, right? Like, you look at the West right now, and Iowa's the only team who hasn't had a loss. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, this is – everything is still up for grabs. You lost to a team – who is ranked in the top 25. There was teams in the top 25 that lost to FCS yep. this week. There was – there was I, I couldn't count the exact number, but there was a lot of teams in the top 25, like you mentioned, that went down. And not to mention there was a lot of highly sought-after quarterbacks who are have way more experience than Graham Mertz who looked like, you know, straight-up poo this weekend too. So I think that this team is going to be fine as long as they clean up the mistakes when they get in the red zone, as long as Graham Mertz gets back to – to be in who he can be. And it doesn't need to be in uh, that first game against Illinois. Like, they're fine if he plays like he did against Michigan, which wasn't a world beater. That Mm -hmm. was a game where he just did what he needed to do. Be the bus driver. You don't need to go out there and be a fighter pilot to go ahead and win you games. You just need to make sure that you're not losing games for the team. Bart Houston wins that game. Um, And and he was a guy who wasn't going to go out there and win you a game but he sure as hell would make sure that you weren't losing it or trying to make sure that you weren't losing it. And so I think that's what they need to make sure that they can get out of Mertz this year. So I think they're fine. I think the top level is there. They can get to wherever they want. You can still run the table. You can still only go down with two losses and be perfectly fine. The, but I do think that the floor of this team, the bottom, got a little bit deeper to me. Like I look at this as, well, if – if things don't turn on the offense and they aren't able to kind of remedy some of those mistakes, if this is going to be a mistake year, you're going to fill the year, you're going to have um, a lower tier bowl um, option possibly. And, and so I think that's not going to be the case. I think they're going to be just fine. This is one game against a solid team, but, but um, I do think that that because you take another loss in conference, it just automatically – um, lowers you a rung in terms of what could happen. And I don't think it's going to get there, but it's a possibility. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think right now it's it's too Again, it's a top 25 team in a game that they should have won. If they if they execute a couple more plays, they win, and all of a sudden you're talking a completely different conversation. So I would say for me, I'm, I'm looking at that Notre Dame game as, as really going to be the measuring stick for me with this team because you've got a chance now. To have another week, you go out, you get to play another opponent that, well, you know, Eastern Michigan is not a top, it's not a bottom feeder in the MAC, not a top feeder. It's a team that you should be able to come out, execute, get things right, 
get things cleaned up. Then you have a bye week that you can go into, you know, really focus in on, get some reps, get things better, and then you take on that Notre Dame game. So if they come out in, in that contest in Chicago and, and struggle and make some same mistakes and don't look um, to be like they've gotten things cleaned up, then I think it's maybe a deeper conversation where maybe the outlook of what they had preseason wasn't quite there, the mistakes, the, the coaching staff just isn't having them. Because really coming off of a bye to play poorly um, – there's really no excuse for that, and, and some of this stuff will uh, be cleaned up. So I think that, for me, is kind of the spot where if they can come out, and, and I think they can um, you know, go in Chicago against Notre Dame, play well, and win that game, all of a sudden you're talking about this team you know, back into where they want to be. So I think that'll be a good measuring point. I do believe, while Iowa did look solid, I, I still think that um, Wisconsin, with that game at home, can, can win the West and, and get to everything they want to be. It makes it a little bit tougher if you're um, – if you're hoping and dreaming for playoff, you know, possibilities, maybe that's probably something that you might want to adjust down a little bit. But, you know, until you have that second loss on there, you're not out of it. So it's it's gonna be it's gonna be an uphill battle. This team will need to get a lot of things cleaned up, but right now I think it's it's much too early to completely write off this season and they've still got eleven opportunities to get better, but it needs to start, you know, this week and, and next week and, and week after week going forward. Just take it one at a time and and see where they end up. So um, I'm interested. I'm still excited to see where this team can go. Yeah, and and I think that Iowa score is a little inflated when you look at the fact that it wasn't their offense that scored a bunch of their points. Like, they, their offense was moving the ball, but they had multiple pick sixes that that helped them swing that mo- the momentum of that game. Um, and so that's something to take into consideration there. But, but also – when you're just looking at this, I agree with you. I think that that bye week, I, we had talked about, man, it would be nice if your bye was a little bit deeper in your schedule, kind of break things up a little bit more. But I honestly think now you have a tune-up game going into a bye week that can kind of help you kind of you know recalculate, recalibrate everything. I think it almost is in a great spot now because mm-hmm. it helps you give you some buffer, give you some time to kind of recollect yourselves and get and get ready, hopefully use that Eastern Michigan game as a springboard to help your rest of your season. And then if you can get rolling, you can get rolling, and there's nothing stopping you. And I think that's what this team needs is they need to come together. They need to, you know, improve on their communication, stop shooting themselves in the foot, and just start rolling. And, and that's the season's ahead of them. Like, I know there's a lot of doom and gloom on – um, social media, but this this team still has everything. Most people weren't expecting them to go to undefeated. At least I know I wasn't, and I don't mm-hmm. think you were. So mm-hmm. it's one of those things where the season is not lost because you lost to a top twenty team that you have lost um, now your last five to. This this is a team that is recruiting above Wisconsin, and they'll be okay right now. Wisconsin just needs to get back to playing um, fundamental football, and that's what's won them the past three decades. They got to get back to that. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up our football discussion. Um, As always, thank you guys for listening. We'll be back with you, of course, later in the week to preview Eastern Michigan.